0: Hello, and welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and this week it's media on media as we talk to my good buddy Billy Hull, who happens to be a cohort of mine at the Honolulu Star Advertiser. As I'm sure you are aware, the sports world went into a sudden hibernation in mid-March upon the realization that the coronavirus could not be contained safely, both for the spectators attending sporting events and the athletes themselves. The shutdown, of course, had far-reaching effects. That included sports media almost everywhere. The Star Advertiser was no exception, as most of its sports staff was either reassigned or furloughed. Billy and myself were among the former, so we count ourselves lucky to be actively working among the paper's web team during this increasingly challenging time for the newspaper industry. We'll talk about that paradigm shift and go back through our intertwined careers and some moments that truly stood out in Billy's time covering MMA, Hawaii baseball, high school sports, and building the Hawaii Prep World website. Oh, and this was recorded a couple weeks ago to explain why we talk about the Jordan documentary in the present instead of the past tense. One bit of housekeeping? Hawaii basketball sophomore center Owen Holland just announced he is leaving school and turning pro. Best of luck to him. It's a shame that injuries and circumstances prevented him from seeing the floor much at all in his two years out here. That makes two out of the three seven-footers signed a couple years ago now gone with Matteo Cholina the last man standing. And now, on with the show. All right, I'm honored to bring on my friend and longtime coworker at the Star Advertiser, <laughs> Billy Hull, fellow sports writer turned online guy for the Star Advertiser. Welcome to the pod, man. Thank
1: you. How we've? How long have we known each other?
0: You know, it goes back before we both got hired full time at the paper. Probably at least another year or two. Right. So that was '07, right? We both got hired '07 August. So I would say 2005 around there. Years? Yeah. Man, we're 15 years
1: going? later and we're here. We are doing a podcast. I just full disclosure. I drove over here. We're social distancing and whatever, but it was my first chance to really kind of go somewhere in about nine weeks. I remembered how to
0: drive. I remembered how to get here. So yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. This is this is fun. Hey, this is this is the first in studio quote unquote <laughs> guest of court sense history everything else has been done remotely via the zoom calls and, and remote recording so far so this is actually a treat to see another human being here in the flesh man
1: yeah and I, you know what i'll give you i'll give you some credit this office is looking pretty clean i mean you know there's a few areas but it's it's looking a lot better than where i live right now i'll
0: tell you that I'm probably the dirtiest aspect of this entire thing. I haven't shaved in like two months. So. I know, man. The beard's growing out. I may have to update the logo of the Court Sense pod. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think so. But yeah, excited to be here. Excited to talk story. Excited just to excited just
0: to hang out, man. For real. How have you managed just with the whole quarantine? You know, I know you're over there in Hawaii, Kai, and um, living with family. And, and just how are you guys just getting on and getting through this whole thing?
1: Well, it's really, it's interesting. It, I guess kind of if I look back, and I haven't really thought about it too much, but if you look back on it, it's kind of like had its different waves where, to be honest, it was a little exciting at first. I mean, you know, there was just so much unknowns, but it was a chance to kind of just kind of hit pause on life, you know, and just kind of, you know, reevaluate some things and just think about some things that you haven't thought about in a while. And so that was kind of fun. And then, you know, um, my wife started working from home. And to be honest, we spent a lot more time together than we had previously, which was kind of nice. And then, it's kind of gone to phases. Now we started to kind of get sick of each other a little bit, you know. So, um, but no, it's been look. We've been fortunate, you know. I know that there's a lot of people hurting out there, obviously, and you know we've a lot of stuff going on in in our world in terms of our our employment that I'm sure we'll talk about. But you know, I just feel lucky to have a job, feel lucky to be healthy, and you know, just
0: you know, we've been we've been hanging in there. I don't know about you, man, but I felt like this time has been going by in a blur, just strangely, with just the, the, the day-to-day, week-to-week routine of our work hours are pretty regimented now. We're both in the online staff, as I opened up the pod by saying, uh, at the Star Advertiser. So our roles have, have kind of drastically changed, and it just feels like, to me, the days just kind of blend one right into the next. And before I know it, that week's gone, and it's on to the next one.
1: Yeah, I know. It's Well, it's funny you say that, because I would say from whenever i mean what did this kind of start about like the second week of march i mean i think that was when they were starting the college basketball tournaments right so about you know that point is when this kind of whole thing began i thought the last three weeks of march were maybe the slowest three weeks of my life like i just remember everything was dragging by and then april came and it boom it was just like april was here and it was gone and and I'm, i'm kind of with you it's kind of going at warp speed you know we've been watching you know i've both been watching the last dance and you know, I remember waiting around, waiting for the first one to go, and then it seems like boom, the next episodes are here already. So
0: yeah, it's almost done at this point. Right? I know,
1: seriously, we've only got what two Sundays left. So yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, maybe it's the job. I don't know
0: really what it is, but time sure seems to be flying right now. You mentioned that at first it seemed like it, it was kind of almost like an exciting thing, this like weird thing that's been you know put upon us all in society in our our own different ways. When did it? really kind of shift for you, do you think, or, like, really head home, the like, the enormity of what we're dealing with?
1: Ooh, good question. I would say, well, I mean, I think when our when our job changed, um, and we kind of went through that, which was kind of fairly at the beginning of the whole, of the whole thing, that was kind of a big thing. You know, a lot of it, too, is, is, and this is something, I mean, we can get into, too, but with our job, I read so many um, news stories now, and so... It's forced me to kind of pay attention to a lot of new stuff that I would normally just probably ignore in my regular everyday life. And so now that I find myself reading about these things, I'm kind of, you know, experiencing firsthand a lot more than I normally would all the things going on in in, in the country, in the world. And I really think a lot of it is just reading about all these different situations, different states, different countries and what they're going through. It kind of just gives you this, this real kind of just, man, this is different. I mean, I really don't think... You know, people always talk about well, when are we gonna kinda of get back to normal? I don't think I don't think there's gonna be a normal. I don't think I think a lot of the things that maybe we took for granted before, um, we're gonna kinda of look back and realize, oh man, those are kind of the good times. We're not gonna to get to do certain things. I think the whole world's changed and I I think the way that we've lived will always kinda of be different because of what we're going through.
0: Irrevocably, maybe. Yeah. Um what do you what's something that comes to mind for you that you think maybe you'll miss or that just might be different the way you go about doing it or or how it impacts you.
1: Well, I think a good example would be is, is the thing I kind of go back to is a couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to finally go to New York city. I've, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to go. And for whatever reason, it took me until I was what, 34, 30, 33 years old. And just, I remember being there and just, it was just, you know, it's New York city, man. There's just people everywhere packed, you know, you're bustling down the streets every day. You're jamming into the subway, you know, you're living this kind of life. And, and it's, you know, it's understandable why New York City's had to go through the problems it were is because you live in this, there's so many people in this small area. And so I just, I always kind of think about New York City and the fact that I don't think, I mean, that whole place is going to change. I mean, I remember we, there was a day that, you know, it was, it was rush hour and we were trying to get on the subway and it took us like four subways and I had to like jam pack, jam me and my wife in there. So many people I'm bumping into. I'm actually feeling uncomfortable because people are touching me because just, I mean, it just get everybody in these little subway cars. And I just think about that whole way of living and how there's no way that that, that's going to be able to happen moving forward. And so that's kind of the example I always look at and how I'm glad I was able to go to New York City when it was really New York City, because I think that's a place in particular
0: that's going to be completely different. And you contrast that with us. I mean, Hawaii being one of the best, at least right now, the best states as far as containing this thing and and the number of daily cases that's coming out. We had a zero day a couple days ago. It's been at like one, two or three a day you know so there's a lot of people clamoring for stuff to open up again and and then you know maybe down the line we get tourism going again at some point with some probably massive restrictions on people right. coming in right right
1: i mean i think that's who knows one thing about this is is I, we've had a lot of time to kind of think about it and how do you reopen the state of hawaii you know how do you i mean let's be honest i mean we need tourists to come here i mean we need tourism we rely heavily on tourism we need people visiting that's how the economy grows how how on earth do you reopen the state to that? I really I really don't know the answer and I, you know, I I give, you know, the people in charge of the stuff, they got a really hard task in front of them because um, you know, you look at what we're doing right now, and it seems every day we post that visitor arrival story and you look at the comments yep. and it's just people like, get out of here, don't come to Hawaii, leave us alone or whatever. Well, at some point we're gonna need people to c- come to Hawaii to kickstart our economy and, and how you do that in a safe way, I, I just don't know. And that's, you know, part of why I just Who knows, man? I mean, it's just we
0: live in this kind of great unknown right now. We really do. And I'll transition that into on the national scene, on the sports scene, something that you and I were very tied into for the majority of our careers to this point up until the last couple months. The NBA, the MLB, you know, they're all shut down. I mean, NFL has tentative plans to go forward right now. But what chance do you give for, for those things coming back before it's just called a wash for the season?
1: Yeah. um, You know, who really knows? It's funny. The NFL schedule just came out the other day. And even though we don't know what it's going to look like, I I looked at the Seahawks schedule and they play the Patriots and the Cowboys back-to-back weeks at home. And my first thought immediately was, oh, that's a perfect time to go visit and go to the game. Because that's just the way you're wired, right? And then a minute later I was like, wait a minute, dude, what am I talking about? Am I going to feel comfortable even if they have games and they have fans? Are you going to feel comfortable going to a stadium with 60,000 people? I, I think a lot of people won't. But the reality is with, with, with so much unknowns on this on this coronavirus and, you know, until we have a vaccine, which I think is going to be a while, I don't know how you have – I don't know how you pack 50,000 people in a stadium to watch a game. So I think we're looking at a lot of stuff like the UFC um, just had their first one with no fans. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff with just no fans, and we're going to be sitting at home, you know, hopefully having some sports back um on our televisions to watch but again like I said like we talked about man we we took all that stuff for granted I I you know my parents you know live in Seattle and I guess for this podcast you know I was born in, in Bellevue right near Seattle but moved here when I was young and my parents moved back about six years ago and every year I try to visit them we try to I try to plan around going to a sporting event you know and always try to go to a University of Washington football game or you know if it's in the spring going to a Mariners game or whatever and I think those are the kind of things like I talked about that you took for granted now that, you know, who knows when you're going to get the chance to do that again. So, um, yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's a whole new world. You mentioned Seattle a couple times now, and that's actually right. What I want to ask you next, because you're a guy who did spend a lot of your life there growing up. And, uh, you carry that with you when you're allowed to be a sports fan, <laughs> you know, aside from our responsibilities on this job, when we were full-time sports writers, which is an interesting line, by the way, to kind of to kind of toe around, you know, being a, a sports uh, media a media guy and a fan at the same time, right? But the beauty of what you were able to do by growing up out there and coming here to you know live as an adult and finish out your schooling and then become a full time guy in the sports community here, you it's like kind of two different like worlds almost, right? Like where yeah. you can totally focus on being a professional, doing your job here. And then enjoy that, like you said, when you go off to to visit family and such.
1: Right, right. Like, um, I've kind of always said I don't think – I mean, I always thought at the beginning that, oh, yeah, I, I might, I'd like to get back to Seattle and cover a professional team. But as I got older and I really kind of thought about it, I, I don't really think I would want to go up there and cover because then I'm not sure I'd quite get to be a fan. You know, I think – and I'm sure you've experienced it. Anybody that does the job that we do, when you cover – the uni- like, we cover the University of Hawaii. Or like, I was a baseball beat writer, I think, for 10 years. Um, maybe growing up you were a fan of the team but when you cover it everything's kind of different you lose that you know I mean don't get me wrong if you cover an exciting game it's fun but you're just the whole way you look at things is different and you're not really a fan in, in like you were and so I've always I've never really wanted to lose that in terms of the passion I have for like the University of Washington and, 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 and like the Seahawks and God bless the Sonics maybe we'll get them back one day uh-huh. but just that fandom is just such a huge part of my life I mean I think the reason I do what I do today is because I was able to at least spend enough time in that city. And, and you know, I had a, my father was really into sports. That I just got that passion from being kind of in a sports city, having that specific Seattle teams to follow. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be growing up at a time where the Mariners had Ken Griffey Jr., you know, one of the best players ever when I was 10 years old the basketball team and i think probably maybe the reason why i like basketball the most is we had you know uh, gary payton and sean Kemp. the sonics were like just awesome for like five six years to watch so um yeah a lot of work i think why i'm do what i do now or at least did um comes from from, from having that love and passion for sports and so that's just kind of like a a fandom and a fun part of my life that i, I would really be sad if i you know lost that
0: and it's one you've been able to maintain almost on a yearly basis. You're able to get up there like at least once or twice a year. I visit your folks yeah. who are now up there, uh, as you said. You try to schedule around, you know, if uh, shoot the the Mariners are playing or the uh, in the summer. I guess more in the fall. For football, have you been able to get up there for very the rarely? Because I mean, I mean, you know, us.
1: I, I haven't taken you can't take vacation during fo- football season. That's the biggest time for us. I've been fortunate enough where uh, the state tournament ended right before the last Husky home game. So I went to the Apple Cup a few years ago, got to see UW play Washington State, got to see Hercules of his senior year at Washington State. Um, and that's something that's been cool about our job is seeing these guys at the high school level and then you see them playing college and the pros is fun. But no, um, yeah, I've been able to get up there a couple of times for some football games. Um, pretty much any chance I've had over the last eight, nine years if there's an opportunity for a weekend during football to get up there. Last year there was a break in the football state tournament schedule where we had a week off, so I was able to. Sleep. The last time I've been up there was uh, to see U uh, play Utah. So yeah, any any chance I get, I, I try to go up there and just kind of put away the the media cap and put on the fan cap and put on put on the maybe I shouldn't admit this, put on the
0: jersey maybe and just kind of <laughs> you know get a little rowdy and have some fun. Uh, I respect that, <laughs> I do uh, honestly. Um, and every once in a while, you're lucky enough that, uh, I think, uh, either you double make it out here. A perfect example would be the diamond head classic this past year, right? When they came out during the holidays, during Christmas time. And, uh, your, your dad was able to make it out too, right? You guys seemed like you had a really good time courtside at the Stamp <laughs> Sheriff center.
1: Yeah. I was lucky enough. Uh, had a friend that was able to, um, um, he's got season tickets down there. And so he, I couldn't sit down there for the UH game, um, uh, which was maybe a good thing, but, uh, yeah, I got to spend some time, uh, watching that team and I tell you what I mean we talked about you know you're a big basketball fan obviously had a lot of high hopes for that team when they left here. I thought they were going to be pretty good and they ended up being the worst team in the Pac-12 that was amazing yeah couldn't believe it um, they had a key guy go out obviously right yeah they lost their point guard to academics of all things Mm -hmm. so um, but you know what I guess if there was a year to uh, completely blow it and not make the tournament (laughs) may as well be the year that they don't have a tournament I suppose that's that's fair yeah
0: um I mean, you got to, like I said, you got to enjoy that with your dad, something that at least here in Hawaii, you probably don't get to do a whole lot of anymore. How special might that be for you now? Like in retrospect, being that we don't know when any of this stuff is coming back. Oh, it's yeah. I think about it all the time. I um, You know, he came out here just for that
1: because he really wanted to go see the tournament, but it was, it was a holiday time and I've got a sister and, you know, my mom decided to stay with my sister. And so I actually haven't seen my mom since it's been. I think about seven months now and I, I think about it every day you know I, and especially I've always kind of been the kind of person where I like to have that one thing planned ahead that I can look forward to and so not really having because we have no idea what's going on you know I don't know you know our situation's a little murky at work right now Um, I don't know like if I go to see them obviously I got no problem quarantining at their house and just staying there but if I come back, you know, do I have to quarantine for two weeks? i I have to quarantine for two weeks? How would that affect anything we might do with our jobs? So, yeah, I just, you know, everything's just kind of up in the air right now. And, you know, I'm able to talk to him a couple times a week. We video chat. We've been video chatting after every episode of The Last Dance these last couple of Sundays, which has been fun. But Awesome. Yeah, but, um, you know, yeah, just not not really knowing when I'll see him next, you know, especially, they're you know, they're getting up there in age and stuff. It's It's tough for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, already a few times we've referenced kind of how we both started in this in this business, in this industry. As we said, we both got hired in uh, 2007 on the same day, no less, uh, as full-time employees. Of the, the Sugar newspaper. Bowl year, no less. That was a heck of a time to get started. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, let us tell you. And I remember our editor, Paul Arnett, he made it clear to us that guys... You guys need to realize that this does not happen all the time. All right, this kind of team does not just come along. Right. You guys do not always get to go on these uh, regular season football road trips. Along with uh, our star Bolton at the time, beat writer was Dave Reardon right. was the main guy covering football at the time. And uh, it's pretty crazy, pretty trippy to think about. That's that's really how the time that we came in got our start.
1: It really is, and I even remember
0: him, uh, Paul, saying that and. In- I feel
1: like, yeah, no, I, I I, get what you're saying, but man, you don't really get, you, you know, not until 10 years later when you look back and you really think just how different that year was to every other year. Um, you got to do that. But yeah, it was, I mean, I was jumped right in the middle of it. It was, um, it was fun. You Did you go to San Jose? I went to San Jose and you went to Nevada,
0: Nevada. right? Nevada.
1: So I got to go to Reno, which, you know. Obviously fits my personal interest a little bit. <laughs> that very um, tactical choice on your part. Yes, yes, yes. I believe I think it was a Friday
0: night game, if I'm not mistaken. I think it might, have and been it a, was late. Yeah. I want to say it was a late kickoff, and there was a UH basketball game against Illinois at the Stan yeah. Sheriff Center that very night. Yep. and they had it up on the big screens in the Stan <laughs> Sheriff, and they tried to do it only during dead balls or timeouts. Show the football on the big screen so fans wouldn't get distracted. And by the end, with the Dan Kelly kick lining up, it was bedlam, and everyone was like not paying attention to the basketball whatsoever. That's funny.
1: Did you? Did everyone know what was going on? Because he had to kick it three times, right? Wasn't it uh, twice? I think twice. I think twice. So I don't know if everyone saw it the first time. I believe, and then no one really called a timeout. Right. It was. uh, It's funny the the weird things you remember uh, being in our business. The thing I remember the most is I was okay. I'm on the road. This is like. My first big chance, like, all right, don't screw this up. You got all, you know, you're on deadline, right? Because we're way, yep. you know, it's late over there. I mean, I guess we had some time, but it was still a late game. And I didn't realize that at that stadium, you have to go out and down and around through the crowd to get to where the um, to where the interviews happen. And so I just remember, like I barely know where I am going. I don't really know the stadium that well. I am kind of all confused, and I am fighting my way through all these angry people coming out of the stadium. And I was so worried, like, oh, I am not going to get there. They're going to do the interviews. I am going to miss it. I am so freaking out. So it, my night was a little stressful that night, but it was um, it was one of those memorable ga- memorable games, and just one of those. I mean, there were so many memorable games that season, but yeah. it was um, it was definitely a lot of fun. That's for sure.
0: They probably were pretty hostile. I, I want to say that was the first time UH ever won at Reno in football, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, they were upset. There, there were there were a lot of upset people. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was cold too. I mean, uh-huh. Reno and I think it was in November. It was in November? I think it was a November game. Close did it, it Did it rain during your game? Do you remember? I think it might have a little bit. Well, this is let's really go inside. I mean, the other thing too is is I don't really remember the weather, but I just remember they had like a. Um, Soda machines, and they had all this good food, and we're inside and stuff. And you know, we're used to like a off stadium, right? So I just remember like, oh, and I'm sure you, you compare it to most of the others. I mean, you know, it's not the Power Five schools or anything, but for me, I was just like, man, they got a soda machine in here. You know, I can just get up
0: and go get a drink right away. This is great. So um, always the it's always weird the things you remember from things like that. I just man, I remember that San Jose game. I mean, that was another crazy finish. You know, Colton, and the guys had to rally them to win in overtime, yeah. and it turned into just a mud bowl. UH was wearing these white, their white road that's uniforms. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got super sloppy by, I don't know, the third quarter maybe. And uh, that thing just had a crazy finish with, uh, I know Blaise Soros got credit for like forcing the fumble. Yeah, I can't right. remember if he actually did or not. Apologies there, but <laughs> uh, it, it, so I was with David. that one. That was obviously memorable because that was my first, you know, covering a, a road game of any sport for the newspaper as well. So, that was just nuts getting down to the field also and trying to corral guys you needed. And, um, I just remember the, you know, the team going crazy at the hotel after me and Dave were staying at the same hotel. So, uh, that (laughs) you want to talk about like, just a memorable way to kick off a couple of careers. That that's, uh, how you do it, I guess. I think so.
1: Yeah, it was, um, Yeah, one one of the the fun things, too, is I remember being in Reno. Not that I'm going to get too far in this, but you'd be surprised at the people you'd run into at about 2.30 in the morning Uh downstairs at the casino. But, um, no, yeah, a lot of fun. And, yeah, it's something that uh, I don't think, you know, we haven't really experienced, especially with the football team, obviously. But I'm not even sure of anything I've done. Nothing I've experienced,
0: maybe except for a fire or two, is quite like that Sugar Boyer. So I was going to ask you, what – have been, you know, the more memorable, most memorable events that you've been able to cover from your time at the paper. I mean, as we said, started in 07 and basically did it all the way up till 2020.
1: Now. Good question. Um, remember the pro bowl. The first time was, I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then then the pro bowl became the pro bowl, you know, covering the pro bowl. Right. But, uh, I mean, I, for me, I always got to go back to, um, 2009, um, when I when I kind of first started at the paper, it's a funny story. Um, Super Bowl locally, mixed martial arts was they were selling out the Blazebell, and we didn't really have anyone covering it. And there was a, I didn't know much about it. You know, I, I didn't I didn't follow it. I didn't know anything about it. And um, uh, Nico Vitali knocked out Masanori Suda to win the Super Bowl title in a sold out arena. And basically, I was clerking the next day. I think it was, and the boss came in and said, "Hey, we need someone to cover this. This is huge." I don't know if you heard anything about us not having anything on, on a sold out event at the blaze which was one of their most memorable uh, nights ever. And so basically it's like, all right, young guy, go figure out what's going on. Go figure this stuff out. I mean, we'd covered it a little bit in the past, but you know, we weren't going, we weren't at that event. So you were a
0: part-timer still at the time. Yeah, I was
1: still, I was still clerking, I believe it so, was. So there's, back this was in two
0: thousand like, oh, Okay. Yeah.
1: And so that just kind of started. And then I went to my first one and was blown away. in my first, uh, local fight was actually the main event was tank Abbott against cabbage (laughs) and tank hits him with his right hand. And you can like see an imprint of his fist and cabbage's forehead as he laid on the ground, just completely knocked out. And it was right in front of me. And it just like, I was just hooked. You know, I just like, this was amazing. And then, you know, those were still the days where we covered it a little bit. We covered the local stuff, but then the UFC started to grow and, and BJ Penn was, you know, had been the champion, but left. And this was the time when he, um, had come back. And so it was still, we didn't really at the paper know, kind of have like a set way of how we were covering it. And so I basically made a pitch to go cover. Um, he fought George St. Pierre. It was a rematch of a close fight. They won the first time. And so I kind of made the pitch and they went for it, but I had to do a 16 page uh, pull out 16, 16 pages. And the editor of the whole paper wanted the first thing to be an educational thing on what is mixed martial arts basically it's like we were going to introduce it to the readers and so i spent like five i remember i spent you know just all day for an entire week trying to put this thing together and got it done and then flew out there for the fight and uh to this day i think it's the most it's probably the most memorable night of my career basically it was so intense it was it wasn't just two really good fighters. It was like Canada versus Hawaii, basically, where half half the MGM was Hawaii and half the MGM was Canada. And so they were already rowdy. And just the the anticipation when the music hit and BJ first walked out, it was just like this unbelievably intense, like, here we go, this thing's really happening kind of feeling. And, you know, the fight turned out to be, you know, George St. Pierre was way bigger than him and dominated and stuff. But I just remember, I mean, the the – not just the excitement, but the intensity, and just the the place was so weird. I've never really experienced an atmosphere quite like that, and and so that's kind of um, the event that always sticks out to me um, in terms of covering it. But I just got to go back in Vegas last December and covered a uh, uh, Max Holloway. How did that compare? It was it was pretty it was pretty close. The difference was. There were so many fights on that card that you know the, the arena was kind of split. with There was fans of all these different fires and stuff where I just think that it'll, it might never – I mean, it might rarely happen again, but just it was, everyone was there to see B.J. versus G.S.P., and it was either – you were either the Hawaiian flag or, or the Canadian flag, and it was like 50-50, and I just think that, that atmosphere made it just one of the – probably the most memorable night that I've ever experienced
0: uh, in this job. And to be clear for people listening who may not know – how often we do these special sections in sports, these 16-page spreads that Billy was talking about, those are exceedingly rare. Yeah. They they happen for UH football. There's a preseason package that comes out. Wahine volleyball most of the time. We used to do some lesser-scale ones for stuff like men's basketball at UH. That's pretty unprecedented.
1: Yeah. Well, looking back, it was, yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, I've never really done something like that again. I know baseball, the most we did was – maybe two pages three days getting ready for the season but no this was a full i mean it was like almost like a full magazine it was a full pull out um i remember i had to talk to i talked to his mom i talked to his dad um i can't remember how many stories total we had kind of these different things previewed the whole fight card it was a lot of work but it was really kind of fun because i felt like it was there was this untapped audience that was really into mixed martial especially in hawaii right this is such a fighting state that to kind of be able to bring that to the
0: paper and, and be able to cover it that way. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. How do you feel about the state of MMA coming out of Hawaii these days? You mentioned Max Holloway. You know, he's he's near the top of his game right now. And um, on the women's side, there's locally Lee Malay McFarlane and Angela Lee is two of the, the more prominent <laughs> yeah. women's fighters. So how, how do you kind of view that through the, the prism of what had been MMA here versus how it is right now? Well, it's obviously different. Um, we just, you don't
1: have, you know, with, with so much, with so much of the sport available on television now. Um, you know, I, that really hurt the length of the local product. And you know, there's some other things that go into it. They still have they still have local fights at the Blaze though, but it's nothing like it was ten, twelve years ago. So you're not having the big local sold out shows getting everyone excited, but you know, this place is still pumping out fighters like crazy. I mean, like you mentioned, Angela Lee, world champion, uh in one championship, Eli Malay McFarland, world champion in Bellator, Max Holloway, just had an amazing run. Uh, in the UFC. He's going to get a chance to get his belt back. I mean, you know, that's pretty impressive that at one time we had three world champions that were all from Hawaii in these different uh, different promotions. But yeah, I mean, guys are still coming up. You know, we got, I got to see a kid, Punahele Soriano, um, in December. Cuckoo Kid, who's I think is going to have a promising future. We have Dan Ige, who's going to have a fight here coming up this week. Uh, another Cuckoo Kid, who he's now ranked in the top 15 in his division. So, you know you might not necessarily have the super exciting sold out local shows anymore but everyone's training here everyone wants to be a fighter and this place is this place
0: is producing some uh, some big time talent well billy besides just mma i was going to ask you what have been some of the other things that you've really enjoyed covering either in person or watching remotely in some circumstances maybe you covered UH baseball for many years, a good ten-year run, nine, nine, nine years, years, I think, maybe, yeah, uh, as well as a ton of high school sports coverage locally. So, what, what kind of really stands out to you? Is things you've got to do.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, I think you'd have to start with the 2010 uh, baseball season. Um, that was a year that they had a lot of talent, had a lot of guys get drafted, but they. Kind of struggled in the midway point of the season. And, you know, they went, they basically went into the WAC tournament as the fifth seed out of six teams. Um, this was Colton Wong's sophomore year. And, um, so they're, they're in the WAC tournament. It's the first game, double elimination tournament. If you lose your first game, you can pretty much, you're done. And I think they were at the point where the program, I think was going to go through a lot of changes at the time. And they play this game uh, against Louisiana Tech. UH is down two runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Colton hits a two-run homer to tie it. Goes to the 10th inning. They give up a run. They're down a run. It's the bottom of the 10th inning, I believe. There's a guy on second with two outs, and Colton's up. And we're all looking around. They're going to walk him. Well, for whatever reason, they decide to pitch to him. I To this day, I, I, to me, it's the craziest decision I've ever seen on a baseball diamond. And Colton hits a two-run homer, walk-off homer to beat. Tech, and it just begins this incredible two-week run. They just caught fire. They go through Fresno State, was the big bad Fresno State baseball team at the time, and you know they just won the national championship. I think a couple years earlier, Hawaii goes on to beat them, wins the WAC tournament, wins the league, goes to the NCAA tournament. So then I got to cover the NCAA tournament. Um, I got to you know remember selection. It was selection Sunday, I think, or selection Monday. get to see where they're going to go play in the NCAA tournament. And I got to drive a whopping eight miles to Arizona state. Um, didn't have to go anywhere. I was already in Arizona. They go play Arizona state. who was the number one overall seed in the tournament. Um, and there was a really good San Diego team on there and they beat two, they beat San Diego twice. San Diego, the two pitchers they beat were both drafted, I think in the top five, six rounds of the draft. Um, they end up losing to Arizona state, but it was, you know, the number one team in the country. And it was just, you know, two weeks of this incredible run by just an kind of a really fun group of guys that just kind of you know, let loose on that trip. And and it was really the first time I'd been on an extended road trip covering the UH baseball beat. I think it was my third year covering the team. And I always look back and say, I never really knew how to cover a team until that road trip because, you know, the way we did was you basically showed up at practice. And with baseball, you don't watch practice. So you basically show up before practice, you interview who you get to interview and that's it. And then you go cover the games. And so I didn't really know the guys on the team that well, I knew them a little bit, but when you're on the road with a team for two solid weeks, you get to know a lot of the guys. And so um, I was able to then kind of build relationships with, I think translated into the quality of my coverage being a lot better and, you know, having, you know, learning different things. It just really taught me a lot about how to cover a team basically. So, you know, I always think about that time as a, not just an important time in my career, but just a fun time watching a, a team go out and play as well as they did. Um, that's something that's always memorable, but, but my, really my, my, my pet project has been the last four years after I finished up covering UH baseball it's we've we've taken uh Hawaii prep world and basically we've revamped everything we do in terms of how we covered high school athletics and it, it's one of those things where basically I got and credit to my boss he allowed me to basically hey take this and let it grow do what you think you want to do to make it bigger and better do basically do whatever you want you know he gave me the freedom to kind of make this website and you know, I'm really proud of the fact that we, I think we turned into something that obviously was read pretty well, um, you know, continually got more and more readership every year um, and just was a lot of fun. And, and I've always loved high school football. I've always – high school football has always been, even though it's a lot of work, it's always been something really fun to me because like we talked about with fighters here in Hawaii, man, this place puts out a lot of football players. And you get to see them, you know, from when they're sophomores in high school and stuff. And, you know, you know Marcus only really played in one year when he was quarterbacking at St. Louis before he went to Oregon but you know we got to see Tua um, from when he was a sophomore and I just remember the first game I saw him was at Aloha Stadium they played command man and he threw about a 40 yard touchdown pass on a go route down to the south end zone and I've never seen just the way he threw it the way it came off his hand the how high it was and how it just dropped right in the in, into the guy's uh, hands it was just an incredible throw and I was like man who is this guy and You know, I always thought from then on that he was going to be a really good player. I was, you know, when he went to Alabama, his recruiting was really weird. But when he ended up at Alabama, I just said, man, he's going to be, it's going to be the perfect thing for him because he's going to have the best players at every position around him and all he's going to do is thrive. And so, um, yeah, now that he's the number, he was the number five pick in the draft, it's just been kind of fun to watch his progress. But the, the guys like that, you know, the guys that, you know, get drafted in the first round of the draft or whenever they get drafted to have seen them. You know, when they were sophomores, and kind of be able to kind of play the game, right—the fun game of, well, how do you think this kid's going to do, or you know, should this kid be recruited? Why is nobody recruiting that kid? I always kind of find that really fun, just evaluating players and seeing guys that you think are going to be good at the next level. And so, you know, you get some right, you get some wrong. I'll be the first to admit, I never thought DeForest Buckner. You know, I thought he was a kind of an athletic kid that, you know, wasn't really sure how it translates to being on the football field and. Couldn't have been more wrong about him. So, you know, you miss some, you make some, but just to play that kind of game and see these guys grow from when they're in high school
0: and see what they end up doing. And I've always really enjoyed that a lot. Well, speaking of seeing things grow, I mean, it was pretty awesome to see Hawaii Prep World grow into this, kind of just this, I would it would be a disservice to call it a placeholder website, but it existed in some capacity for a number of years with a limited readership, you know, kind of maybe a half amount of attention paid to it or diverted to it. And like you said, you're able to really take it, seize it, and grow it into something yourself and Jerry Campany. Building the, the Pro Football st- st- uh, statistical database was was key and critical, I know. Yeah. And, I mean, guys like Nick Abramo and Paul Honda just pumping out the content on there. It, it really had it humming, um, at least until right up until everything shut down, right?
1: Yeah, It was. Uh, it's funny. That website actually existed a lot longer than I even knew. I think we had that website for a couple years, and I didn't even know about it. It was just kind of, I think, a thing that Paul Honda kind of wrote some stuff on, and and that was it. And then, I know Jerry kind of took over as the prep guy, and then they kind of really kind of expand on that website. Adam Sparks, who was a coworker of ours for uh, quite a few years, he then kind of put the the web design thing on it and turned it into this kind of nice looking web page. And then, yeah, from there it really, to be honest, it really um, started. Was uh, there was one day I was covering a doubleheader at the Loa Stadium, and this. I believe it was Pac, uh, yeah, Pac-5, a Pack 5 quarterback threw eight touchdown passes. P.J. Manai. P.J. Manai, I was about to guess. Yeah, was. I think he threw for 500 yards or something like that. And I, I just said to myself, man, I wish I knew how to put this into context. I wish I knew what the records were. I wish I knew um just what I just saw. Like, you know, I mean, how crazy was this? And so that basically spawned this ridiculously long project that Jerry and I did over the span of I think it was three summers where we would basically – Get all the old newspapers, man, and week after week, year after year, we'd look up every box score, um, make a database, put it all into these spreadsheets.
0: In the from the libraries in the microfilm, right? Yeah, we'd you know, actually
1: go to the library, um, go to the microfilm. We went to UH. I mean, we spent, um, gosh, we spent I think six weeks going to UH, almost three or four times a week. Just and we were in there from you know eight nine in the morning until four or five in, in the afternoon. And then I remember you could scan a lot of stuff, and then so then I, you know, I would scan a bunch of the stuff because then it was easier. But then I would go home and then put it all in after I'd scanned it. So it really was like this crazy long project that, you know, turned out this, this basically database, like you said. And so now, like you know, to the best of our abilities, we put together a record book, we put together um all these different kind of uh, stat things, and and that was one thing. I think the day that it really kind of registered with me is I was watching an Alabama game. And ESPN put up a graphic saying Tua was the all-time leading passer in Hawaii with X amount of yards, X amount of touchdowns. And it said, courtesy of HawaiiProPro.com. I'm like an ESPN broadcast. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It was just kind of this thing where like, yeah, no one would know that I think if we didn't do what we did. So, um, yeah. It was, and it was just kind of a passion project. You know, one thing is I really enjoyed it. And I think that's why a large part of its success was, well, I wasn't doing something I didn't want to do. It was something that I, I really enjoyed. I've always kind of been like a weird numbers guy, like a, Um, I remember I had a teacher that my worst subject was writing and, you know, I shouldn't be a writer. You know, my, my SAT scores, I was a lot better at math than I was in the verbal. So it's kind of funny. I ended up being a journalist, but I've always enjoyed numbers and math and stuff like that. So to put that together was a, was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, man. And the fruits of that labor has been borne out. As you said, I mean, you you mentioned the example of of the, the two a game on, on national TV, but. Just game in, game out when you guys are doing your thing for prep football and being able to call up some obscure stat at the drop of a hat, <laughs> right. call up Jerry Company and get him to you know whip out those just you know top tens and then passing, <laughs> receiving, and rushing and how close is this guy to breaking this record and how many more does he need for a career for the school for every individual uh, Oahu high school that plays football. I mean that, that's pretty staggering and uh, tribute to you guys for for doing the your diligence on that one for sure.
1: Yeah, and I, I really do think it, it it really changed our coverage because, you know, anytime you went to a game, whatever game you were covering, you could look up how many times has this team played that team. And so, you know, before it was like you go out to a prep game and it would just kind of be like, all right, you just kind of write what happened, put a lot of play by play in and that's it. And I think this allowed us to now cover games with a lot of, um, you know, not quite as much as play-by-play stuff, but just a lot of interesting things that I think are a lot more appealing to readers reading it. Mm-hmm. A little more context. A little more context, right? And any time, you know, even if you went to, you know, because we, look, we were lucky. We I think there was two years in a row that we went to every high school game on Oahu, which is pretty cool. But just anytime some kid had some outstanding performance numbers-wise, you know, we were right there with the, the ability to put it in the context and to blow it up and, and put it in the paper. And I think that just really, really kind of made a difference and really helped our coverage because I've I always enjoyed looking at the Saturday papers after a Friday night prep football night and seeing all the games in there and all the headlines and you know reading a lot of the stories and and them just not being your same old you know play by play thing but having some cool facts and I've always always really appreciated the amount of how good it comes out but also the amount of work that goes into it because it's like you know Friday night prep football night it's not just for the people out of games but for the desk people putting the paper together um it, it, it's kind of a big undertaking so I. Always enjoyed waking up on Saturday, usually at about noon, because I'd be
0: exhausted. <laughs> but uh, looking at the paper, I thought that was really cool. And as much work as there was put in behind the scenes, as you said, every prep football night when you're there at the game, after the game's done, after you've conducted your interviews, it's so much more involved now than it was. And then, I mean, the live sports aspect of it, the, the live blogging, the, you know, we always did live stat taking, which we would then, you know, put in for the print edition story was kind of the traditional way to do it. it uh, alongside your your write up your story, uh, you would have the box score there. But now there's those aspects along with the live blogging, yeah. along with the social media aspect, along with doing like a follow up separate from what appears in print for Hawaii Prep World. Uh, it's so it's so much more involved than I ever would have thought it had gotten. I mean, how how did you really kind of juggle all that?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a lot of work, and it's definitely you know the older I get every year, it just gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where it, I don't think there was ever a set plan on what it would become. It just every year we kind of just tried to add a little bit more or every, we kind of just every year we took on a little more. I remember when we first started blogging, it wasn't really, it was kind of up to the reporter where maybe only a couple people did it. But that's when we kind of realized that, man, there's such a people just want to know what's going on in the game, you know, especially those games that aren't on TV. Um, you know, in terms of live scoring, what's going on, there was this huge, huge uh, readership for give me what's going on during the game because, you know, doing analytics and stuff, you learn kind of a lot of different things. And it's obvious from the moment a game ends till about one in the morning or one thirty in the morning, there is a huge amount of people want to read about this stuff. But after that, and even the next day, people have already, already kind of moved on to the next thing. You know, it's, um, that's part of the business where that's part of the challenges we have in our business, you know, is, is, is you just have kind of this, okay, here's a game right here. Everyone's interested about it until they go to sleep. And then when they wake up the next morning, you move on. So the rush to kind of have all this stuff up and, you know, we might not, you know, it takes time to write stories. It takes time to write follows, but to at least have a live blog up there that people can at least get the score. And, you know, for some of us that would put our stats on there, you get the stats right away. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things that, that there was so much leadership for it that we then started to try to do it for every game. And you can imagine, you know, having, you know, we're lucky to have um, some stringers and some younger people that are interested in the business, help out go to games. And so
0: to try to coordinate with them and teach them um, how to do it, it's uh it's definitely a lot of work. Well, like I said, I mean, you guys had a great thing going there right up till when, you know, prep sports got shut down suddenly this, this springtime and were are effectively canceled eventually. Any, you know, feeling on your part? Like, what can come back? What what might be the first step towards opening that stuff back up this fall coming up? For you know, you've got prep Football, obviously. It starts earlier and earlier every year, every summer now, it seems like.
1: Yeah. I I mean, tough. You know? I'm not sure I want to you know, trying to stay out of the prediction business, you know what I mean? Because I generally get most things wrong. <laughs> um, but, no, I, there's going to be a lot of challenges. I think, um, look, first of all, if kids aren't back in school, actually in school, instead of being from at home, I mean, can you – I mean, I, I'm not even sure you can have sports, right? I mean, the, the kids got to go to school, first of all. So there's the first step. Um, I do know there's a lot of things coming up with this football season where in Hawaii we start earlier than everyone else. I mean, basically the first week of August is your first set of games. So teams are practicing in July. You know, I know, for instance, there's a, a situation where you get your um, – you got to have your helmet go through a process that, to allow you to be able to use that specific helmet each year, like a certification kind of thing, and, and they're behind on that. So they've already been sending out things to teams like, hey, the helmets you're, you're used to getting, you might not get them right away. So just that's just one example. There's going to be all these little hurdles that we go through. So I have a – I mean, it's really hard to see it. everything starting on time. Um, obviously, you know, hard to imagine people being packed in the stands. Hard to imagine, you know, cuckoo, everyone packing into cuckoo for a football game. Um, I think there's a chance that you could see sports move around, you know, pretty much the first fun thing I did in two months was they opened the golf courses. I went golfing the other day. Golf is an example of a sport that I think you can probably play right away. You know I mean? It's a pretty socially keeping everyone apart, socially distant. You're out there on a big golf course. That's something I think you could do probably sooner rather than later. Football, there's just so many people involved. I think football is going to be its own challenges. So. Maybe there's certain sports that you change it around, that you switch the seasons they're in, that they can start early. But yeah, right now, I mean, it's I think it's impossible to predict. Um, you know, as long as, like I said, if, if if we don't have a vaccine for this coronavirus, if you know we're not we don't have the testing to make sure everyone who goes out there to play is safe, it's really really kind of hard to see sports really starting anytime soon, especially at a high school level. I mean, look, pros one thing, right? Big business, a lot of money involved. These are professional athletes. I mean, what happened? one high school kid gets the coronavirus from playing sports. I mean, the liability that comes with that, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going to be a challenge. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, we're just just—we're just
0: going to have to wait and see. Well, we were talking about Hawaii Prep World, and there is still some ongoing content out there that guys like Jerry Campany are putting out. Kind of like a daily retrospective, like what happened on this day <laughs> kind of thing. I know he's done a ton of that. Stuff is it
1: fired people up, by the way. There's been yeah. some
0: uh there's been some games he's put on there that have brought back some memories.
1: We've had some uh some Facebook threads of people recalling certain games and certain things that happened that they might not have liked that have there's been some <laughs> back and forth on there. Oh, so
0: yeah, you always gotta you always gotta watch those comments, man. You do, and, and that will kind of lead me into the segue of what we find ourselves doing right now, which is we're, as we said, two members of the online staff now and the staradvertiser.com homepage and just kind of helping maintain and and operate that that beast because it is a beast the amount of content that's getting them pumped in and pumped out of that thing on like a almost a 24-hour basis is pretty staggering so uh, how have you just adapted to being kind of this guy who lives in the bubble outside of sports that we got to enjoy for you know a good dozen plus years and and how have you really it seems like we've taken it in stride but but what's been surprising or what's been um different about this whole thing for you
1: um well i'll start off by saying i'm just feel fortunate to have a job right i mean you know we had some some coworkers of ours get furloughed that was obviously a tough time so i definitely I appreciated it to have the job first of all i i kind of i think i might have touched on it earlier but one of the interesting things is is we we're we're posting so many stories that we have to read all these things I'm the kind of person where I I can get fired up on some things. You know, I'm a little opinionated on certain things and um, reading all these news stories, man, you, I, you know, it'd be easier for me to just kind of ignore a lot of the stuff, especially because, you know, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what's going on right now in the world. But we're in this position now where we have to read all this stuff. I'm reading story after story of, you know, everything going on that I don't know about you, but when I get done with the shift, I've got all these things I want to talk about. So... You know, I get done and, you know, I'm ready to just, you know, whoever's hanging around, whether it's my wife or whoever else in the house. Like, I come out and I just kind of start spitting all these, like, hot takes on, like, politics and, like, news and all these different kind of things.
0: Billy Hall hot takes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stunned.
1: And, and finally, my wife had to tell me, she was like, hey, I don't care, man. Stop talking about this stuff. I don't care. And it's just like, yeah, I don't I don't want to care either. But because we do this, I kind of have to read it. So I've kind of had, ha- had to navigate that a little bit, you know, um, uh, just like not getting all caught up in the things you read, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I write the same as if you watch cable news all day long, right? So that was kind of like the, I remember like the first couple of weeks, that was like my big thing was like, man, I got to like get all this out of my head because I keep reading stuff
0: that uh, I've got opinions about. But uh, now from a technical standpoint, how much did, you know, being kind of the operator of Hawaii Prep World really sort of prepare you for doing something like this where, you know, we're curating uh, stories and –
1: yeah, yeah, on. like, a good story for you. When I was, uh, it's funny, when we're talking about being in New York, I was in New York when Peter King stopped doing his website um, was the Monday morning quarterback or whatever. And he, he did this podcast and he gave this quote where every single day for the last five years I've run a website, I've woken up and the first thing I think about is all the things I've got to do today. And really that's kind of how it was in an obviously smaller sense for me. But when you run a website, like, there's no pausing it or there's no stopping it. You know, every day there's something to do. If someone's going to write something and it's up to me to post it, share it and all that stuff. And so I've kind of grown to understand how tough it is to run a website. Well, now you go into running a site like StarAdvertiser.com, which just has so many people involved with it. You know, it's a huge undertaking, like you mentioned. And so, you know, I was kind of well aware of just how much stuff there ultimately is, especially doing all the things that we try to do with all the videos we do photo galleries, all the different news outlets we take different stories from. I mean, it goes on and on. It seems like you probably agree every week we kind of learn one or two more things to do. Right. And, and eventually I think you get to a point where just you log in for your shift and there's this just never ending kind of um, list of laundry list of things you can do. So, you know, I definitely was prepared for, for I think how much goes into it Um, and then how certain days are busier than others. I mean, there's days where, Eh, you know, not a lot of breaking news. It's a little bit more relaxed. And then there's days where you sign in and it is just a blitz, man. Like, I I don't know about you, but I've had times where I've shown, shown up at one o'clock to start my Monday shift and all of a sudden it's like dinner time at the household. And I'm just looking around like, where'd all the time go? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's fast paced. It's very fast paced, which I like, um, you know, running the websites like that. And, and yeah, it's, it's, um, It's definitely different, and it definitely—I think—you get an appreciation for how tough it is to run a website now. Tough, really. The days of being able to go to an event, cover one thing, and take your time writing this nice kind of descriptive story—I mean, those days are over now. It's just about pumping
0: as much stuff out there as quickly as you can. It's the shift has been gradual, but also striking and drastic at the same time. Like we're talking about from the time we. Started as full-timers, like you said, I mean, we'd probably just take our time, do up a nice little print story. Don't even maybe have to post a, a breaking news no for it when the event ends, which is, you know, it's crazy and unheard of now that, you know, you can just let it ride until the print edition comes out the next morning, right? I think we, both of us caught maybe the, the last days of that yeah. when we started off and just here we are, you know, 10 dozen years later. And there's so much more that has to be done during the game, immediately after the game. Uh, you might post an update to your breaking story two, three times by that night and then file some kind of follow-up story for the print edition the next day. Right. And now we're not doing that either. We're, we've shifted over into this other realm. And our <laughs> it's kind of funny to look back and think on those days you know, with some fondness, but also just how far removed we, we feel from that right now. So... When the sports come back, whenever that is, you know, when we're able to go to events and, you know, sit in the press box or uh, converse with each other along press row or what do you think that moment's going to be like when maybe we get to do that, however far removed from now that is? Uh, Good question. It's going to be,
1: well, if it's anything like driving over to your house today, it's going to be different because I'm telling you, man, I felt weird driving over here and just being in a car. but no, I think, um, and who knows how it's going to be? Like, you know, sure. are we going to? I mean, are we? We're all, are we all going to be sitting next to each other in the first row of the press box for a UH football game? Or we're going to be? Are we going to be spread out? You know, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot different. But yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I feel very fortunate for what I was able to do, um, and especially during what's going on right now, you appreciate it a lot more than I think at any point at any point of when I was doing it, I don't think I appreciate it nearly the way I do now. So, um, yeah, it would be fun to be out there and it it'll just be fun to kind of just that normalcy, I think, you know, just to be able like for me to be back out there and see all these kids going out there playing high school football, doing what they love to do, or whether it's, you know, being in a, like for you being in a crowded Stan Sheriff center for a big, you know, uh, UH men's basketball game in the diamond, classic or whatever it is, you know, I think, um, just kind of people going back out there. I mean, my lasting memory is I went to the two um, UH men's volleyball games against BYU um, right before this all happened. And I, I, I think about that all the time. I think about, you know, just, you know, it was fun, but it was just kind of like another game for me, you know. And, and now I think about it, I was like, boy, I wish all I could do is wish I could go to see, go to one of those games again. And I think I think moving forward, if we do get to do that again, when, when things get back to being a little bit more normal, not not the way it was, I think we'll definitely appreciate and enjoy those things and, and take a lot more um just, just really, really, really enjoy life. Like I really hope, you know, for everything that's going on right now, I, I really hope we come out of it that a lot of people just take a lot more enjoyment into how lucky I think we are to be able to do the things we get to do. Absolutely. And just have have a little bit more appreciation of just, just how good things really are. I mean, everyone's got their struggles. Everyone has their problems. Don't get me wrong. But I think um, for the most part, you know, Being able to go to games, being able to cover games like we do, I think it's um, you know that's something that I
0: I, I'm very much more appreciative after going through this. I hear you, man. It's uh, you mentioned that men's volleyball match against BYU, yeah. The second of the two, yeah. The
1: second of the two, I should point out, not the first (laughs) one. The first one, I think the first one, we're out and we're at the uh baseball game by about the sixth inning and went so fast, but um, that second game was just amazing.
0: What a capstone for like the last. You know, memory. I think not only we in the media, but probably a huge chunk of the UH fan base will have because that was a sold out rocking event, you know, that five set reverse sweep that UH pulled off. Incredible comeback. The one, two matchup rankings wise. So, you know, it was unfortunate that that's, that's where it left off and we'll never know if they would have contended or won a national title this past year, just to give one specific example for UH men's volleyball. But that's kind of, um, you know that was the like the seminal event i think of this spring that really just you know everything fell off the cliff after that so and here we find ourselves and i
1: do it's funny i do think about it i've actually thought about it quite a few times i remember walking out that night and just everyone was all pumped up people were high-fiving and i've actually thought about a lot because we had no idea what was about to happen you know what i mean i mean our world's were changed forever literally days after that event i think it was and I, I really have thought a lot about walking out of that arena that night and just everyone was so, ex- I mean, everyone was so pumped up to come back. I mean, BYU had smoked them for five sets. I mean, it was like I mean, a lot of fans thought this is a national championship UH team, right? And then I think there was a point there where we're like, oh my gosh, they don't have a chance against BYU. So to come back and this being such a volleyball town and, and the way that game um, uh, worked out, Um, it was such a everyone was so pumped up after it and just you know I I think about that a lot because that really just is a great example of man how things
0: can we learn how things can change just like that for sure man well I'll leave you with the floor for anything else you want to add For uh, this is it this is is it this has been an hour it just blew by it's been amazing has it been an hour? it really has been nearly an hour wow
1: well uh, first of all congratulations to you this is pretty cool Um, there's no doubt that you have the best podcast logo in America, if not the world. Um, thank you. Like you said, if you're going to keep this, this beer going, you're going to have to (laughs) update a little bit. We're going to have to get a little airbrush in there. Yeah. I'll get my Um, sister on it. No, but, uh, she's the one who did it up. So, uh, I'm sure she'll love to hear that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. No, she did a great job. I guess I would just say for, for anyone listening, I mean, um, you know, hang in there. Everyone, I think we will be able to hopefully get through this. Um, I think, be appreciative, you know, try to maybe appreciate a little bit how lucky we are about certain things, and look, man, I I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some sports to come back. Um, I went a little bit, you know, I'll be honest, I went, there were a few weeks where after the initial thing of not having anything to watch, I was kind of like, this is kind of peaceful, just like, you know, it's different, just kind of get away from it, but now that it's been two months, I'm, I'm... when football season rolls around, when August rolls around, if we don't have any football coming up, I think that's going to be very difficult, but Hopefully, uh, we got to see. I watched the UFC last night; that was great. Um, some Korean baseball. I don't know if you tuned in any Korean baseball yet. Not quite. No, yet. Not no. I I found myself watching a few minutes of that, but yeah, man. When I think when when August rolls around, hopefully, hopefully we have some
0: football because if we lose our football season, I think a lot of people will, it's going to be tough for a lot of people. I hear you, man. Well, Billy Hull, it was an honor to have you on in person here in the quote unquote studio for the Court Sense Podcast. So. Yeah. Good times, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You got it.